0: Hello again, and welcome to another episode of Leading from Alignment with our good friend, coach, leadership, guru, all-around great guy, John Opelouski. Good morning, John. How are you? I'm good. I feel better about myself after your introduction. <laughs> good. You know, it's funny. I'm, I'm saying with a smile on my face, but none of those words are untrue. You, I, I don't know. Guru might be a little Eastern for you, but uh, expert. How's that? Okay. Spiritual, <laughs> Spiritual expert. So <laughs> tell us a little bit about episode 123 here. Where are we heading today? Yeah, Jim, we, we
1: spend a considerable amount of time on the podcast talking about identity yeah. and uh, how it impacts us as leaders. And uh, we've unpacked this idea before in some ways. Uh, you know, we've talked about working from our identity instead of for our identity. Huge. And how that helps us get and stay healthier as pastors and leaders, as business owners. And and you know so the title of the pod today is how identity impacts your leadership and and the truth is is that identity can impact your leadership in a positive way or it can impact your leadership in a negative way and obviously we want to encourage and, and help all of us to learn how to use it in a in a positive fashion and, and Jim you've produced some content actually on identity that I think is really powerful that I'd like to explore together today, if that's okay with you. Love it. It's fun. Yeah. Yeah. And I think you, you entitled it orphans to heirs, right? Did I get that? right? Yeah.
0: The the teaching, the series we did over the course of 13 weeks at Freedom Center was called from orphans to heirs, that journey from Romans eight, I will not leave you as orphans uh, in, in the gospels. And then Paul talks about being sons and if we're sons, we're heirs. So we we took several weeks and kind of looked over what it means to be an orphan and why it's called that a son or daughter, and then an heir and how our realities change with our perspectives, our covenants change, you know, with our perspectives on, on those issues.
1: Okay. So I'd like to switch seats today. I want to, I want to interview you. Okay, Um, And, and I want to talk to you about identity and its impact on leaders. So, so Jim, Tell, tell me about the origins, tell our listeners and watchers yeah. about the
0: origins of orphaned heirs. How did how did this even evolve? I, in your I, thinking? I heard a phrase, uh, people that I respected were talking about something called the orphan spirit. And, and that's not a biblical phrase, but it, it kind of creates a biblical picture that, okay. that those who feel fatherless, whether they're born again or not, they feel father, they, their reality is I am my provider. I am my protector. I am my defender. I am my, you know what I mean? Um, that would be symptoms or that'd be the cause of orphaned type symptoms. I, you know, I, I am afraid all the time because if I don't take care of me, no one will, you Mm -hmm. know, if we believe that we behave as if we have no father, we would expect the behavior of an orphan in an abusive orphanage. and, And I'm not saying all orphanages are abusive, but let's kind of, let's create one in our imagination that gives us a good view of the world. Um, because Second Timothy chapter three, Paul talks about godlessness in the last days, and they're going to be lovers of themselves, and they're going to be you know bad people in a variety of different ways. Well, all of those ways are in every newspaper in America today. We live in that world, right. and if you were raised in a in a terrible orphanage situation, you would have to learn some pretty quick defensive mechanisms, some spidey senses that would tingle, some you know some mechanisms to survive in that environment. So. I, I, as I was studying that out, I went to our, our ministry that takes care of uh, families that are adopting and going into foster care called Clara's Hope. And Tammy Cromer, the head of that ministry, I said, well, you know, when a, a kid is removed from a, from a home in the middle of the night and is brought to your home with nothing but the pajamas on their back and a, a bag with ramen noodles and a toothbrush in it, like, what, what are they going through? And she laid out 10 things. Just boom, boom, boom. I said, stop, stop wait, Let me write these down. These are good. So she said things like fear. Anger, hoarding, and I just sort of write them down. And, uh, and that is what a five year old, a 10 year old, a 15 year old would be dealing with immediately. And, and I came back to the congregation and I taught on that. And I said, How many of you guys have, have dealt with, and I'll read them to you fear, worry, hoarding, anger, manipulation, stealing, dishonesty, rebellion, insecurity, and kind of the one overarching one is a need for control. If I'm mm-hmm. not in control, I am in danger. That's the belief of, of an orphan. Okay. And I came to the congregation, I taught almost 10 things. I said, how many guys have dealt with one or more of these behaviors as grown-ups that aren't orphans that are, you know, that are in this church right now? How many guys have dealt with one or more of these as a key behavior in the last week? And, and about three quarters raised their hand. I said, put your hands down. I said, what I'm curious about is the other 25%. Why did you just lie to me? Is it because <laughs> you're afraid? I is it because you're afraid? Is it because you're worried about what people might think? Is it, are you ticked off a little bit that I just mentioned this publicly and you're <laughs> embarrassed about, are you getting ready to talk to other people about, I don't like the way he did that. Did you like the way he, and they're going to get manipulative. Like these are very common behaviors. And so once we kind of recognize that th- these are old reflexes from a season we had as orphans, yeah. but they're reflexes, we do them without thinking. Someone cussed me up in traffic. My reflex is not to bless them, live long and prosper. <laughs> there, there's fingers involved in what I want to do, but, but it's generally, referring to them as as my number one focus at that at that point that's more natural than to bless them it's supernatural to bless them it's natural to curse them because they scared me and so my anger puffs me up to be more i don't have to be afraid anymore because i'm angry i'm angry enough that i'm in charge not you does that make sense yeah so jim let's
1: just talk about that that column you know of characteristics you know, or behaviors how does How does that impact our leadership? If we haven't really looked at that and, and, and work through those, those things, how does that impact us as a pastor?
0: Yeah, boy, you know, we, we can teach everything we know, but you reproduce everything you are. Mm -hmm. So let's say that my default setting, which it, which it can be my, my, number one reflex uh, to all these issues, is anger. As a former police officer, if I wasn't in control, then I was in danger. So let me see your driver's license. I say, "Why? What was I doing?" And I was out of the car. You know what I mean? What am I mm-hmm. doing? I'm. I. you You're not under my control. Therefore, I'm not in control. I'm in danger. Step out of the car. Up against the car. Frisk every. You know what's going on? Like why? Did, I just asked a simple question. I don't like the way you asked it. Right. So with now, convert that now to being a husband, a father, a pastor. What what is my mechanism to deal with keeping my world in control is actually destroying the world around me. Because Mm -hmm. let's, let's say the worst case scenario is not that I bully people. The worst case scenario is I reproduce bullies known as leaders in my congregation, in my marriage, in my family, in my friendships. Boy, it's a, it's, it's a terrible, terrible thing. So if you're a pastor that's prone to worry, fear, you're going to look for something more powerful than what you're, you're fighting. Anger is one of those things. You think about anger. It's never a primary emotion. It's secondary. Cool. I was so jealous. The way I dealt with jealousy is by getting angry and saying, Definitely. I don't like the way you talk to that person. You know, I was so afraid that I, I went peacock, right? I, yep. I ruffled all my feathers out and tried to get bigger than I was because this is the way that I do it. So I, I, It is when you see Jesus angry, it's the right thing to do. It's not like we're never supposed to express anger, but it's a righteous anger, not a self-defensive orphaned mm. uh, mechanism to regain control of the people and the processes around you.
1: Okay, so we're gonna in the show notes uh, we will put the list of these uh, <laughs> yeah. orphan behaviors or characteristics. Uh, so yeah. um, if you're trying to take notes today, don't worry; you don't have to write feverishly. We'll have the show notes for you. Yeah. So yeah. Jim, talk about the um, talk about the sun. Yeah. That, that transformation from orphan to son. And what are some of the characteristics of us of a somebody
0: who's walking in that con, in the confidence of being a son? Right. I if if you look at everything again, let, we'll take fear because it's the first one on the list, and it's probably the most common to us. I'm out of okay. control. It's that's scary. Um, how many promises are there from God to you as his child to not be afraid? It's it's hundreds, as I understand. It's right. a it's an extraordinarily Common phrase: Do not be afraid. Fear not. Do not be anxious. These are that that sentiment is all throughout Scripture because nothing good comes after fear. So one, once you get that that thought of of the uh, God does not want to be afraid, then you have to say, Well, what what has He given me to not be afraid? In my own self, I'll reach to anger. I'll be in control, so I'm not afraid of you anymore because I just dominated you with my anger. I just bullied you into submission. But that's that's certainly not what God does, right? So what is it? And that is the fear that I have. What am I afraid of? I promise you everything that someone is afraid of, God has a promise for. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm afraid of not being provided for. God has a book full of promises about provision. I'm afraid of being alone. God has a book full of promises that talks to people that are, that are alone being a part of a family called the church or blessings. I, I'm I'm afraid of, we actually did this with our congregation every week. We said, please write out the things that you're afraid of. And then we put them all up on the screen the next Sunday. And, and it was funny. The number one thing that was up there, there, there was no common denominator. Some were afraid of not having enough money in retirement. Some were afraid. What if a, what if a spider crawls in my mouth while I'm sleeping? What? <laughs> I just thought how oh, these poor people. I've had be- that
1: fear. I just, will yeah. be honest. <laughs> <laughs>
0: That's so funny. So I, I, But but the the number one, the only common denominator we found was the phrase, what if, what if I run out of money? What if my spouse leaves me? What if, you know, my, my prayers aren't answered. So really we were more afraid about, we were afraid about things that hadn't happened. And so we we look towards a future with one of two things, fear of what might happen or faith with what might happen. So a son, a daughter, a child of God, has, if you look through Christ into your future, your what if is pretty cool. Yeah. What if, you know, we succeed? What if revival happens? What if God, prov- how is God going to provide for me? Because I've been obedient in my end of the covenant, planting seeds. What is his, what, what if he actually does a 30, 60, or 100 fold blessing back on the, What What would I do with that? It's, it's funny because sinners wonder about what they're going to do when they win the lottery and the righteous wonder how they're going to feed themselves a year from now. It's, mm. it's, that's, that's symptomatic of, of, of lunacy, uh, mathematical lunacy, but, but all, you know, for, for the unbeliever, but for the believer, my goodness, we should look forward to a future where Jesus has prepared good works for us in advance, right? right. Ephesians 2.10, we're created on purpose as his masterpiece, as his poem, and we're the right thing in the right place at the right time, and so hope should be an overarching theme of every tomorrow that we have.
1: Yeah, and, and so as you think about that in leadership, so we, we, we looked at the leadership as an orphan, where if, if I'm operating in that orphan mentality, you know, and, and some of the negative impacts that that brings to the people that I'm leading, what about, what are some of the positive impacts, Jim, that you would see happening in a, in a let's just use church as an example, as in a pastor who's starting to learn how to operate as a son or a daughter?
0: Yeah. I, I think what this list does for me or has done for me on a regular (laughs) basis is when I'm not emotionally sound, I'm, I'm hoarding, I'm brooding, I'm angry, I'm scared. I have this list of common denominators of humanity. And then I ask myself the the question behind that, why am I so afraid? Why, you know, and I think as a leader to be a great leader is to be like Christ. I I think that's right. well done, good and successful leader. It's not going to be, right? It's faithful. There's fidelity and quality. How do I grow in fidelity to my calling and quality in, in the exercise of my calling? And I think by by saying, I'm, I'm really dealing with fear right now. COVID hit. I don't know what to do. I don't know how to lead. I don't, what's, where am I getting my next meal? What's going to happen? What if, what if, what if? Well, then to, to say, what, what are you so afraid of? Well, I'm afraid that tomorrow, you know, okay, real. I've been here before. Like once you've been there a dozen times and you've asked yourself these questions, What's the root of my fear? What's the root of my anger? What am I really jealous about? What am I really, why am I hoarding? Why why is every closet and under my bed stuffed with toilet paper right now? Like, what what am I dealing with? Do I have any intention of sharing that with my neighbors? You know, Uh, I I don't understand. So, so it gives me, it it gives me a baseline because fear can, as a son can become surrender. And then we move on to that next column as an air can become fearlessness. And you mm-hmm. see how that happens here. I was afraid and I surrendered to God all my tomorrows. Well, now I can move into my tomorrows differently because I'm an heir. I, I can move fearlessly. Worrying becomes, you know, I don't worry anymore. It becomes contentment. Um, hoarding becomes provided for. It becomes generous, selfless, yeah. right? So these these behaviors, it, it gives me this list I can look at and say, okay, which one of these am I dealing with? And there may be something off the list, but generally those first 10 that Tammy gave me five, six, seven years ago, have provided a beautiful list, uh, a rubric for my own soul. When I find myself in this situation, this is why. And then I look for scriptures that a son can quote. These are my scriptures. My father has promised me these things. And then I look one step further, which I can I just say, I think most Christians don't. I think most pastors don't. If, if I'm not afraid anymore. I'm done because I'm not in pain anymore. But there's something beyond being just safe, and that's being dangerous, Mm. A lot of Christians don't want to get to being dangerous, being fearless, because we're really comfortable in being sons. And we should be. And it isn't a condition of heaven that you become an heir. But Paul challenges us. If you are a son, then you are co-heirs with Christ and an heir of God. So everything Jesus had access to as a son, you have access to as as an heir. You're a co-heir. Everything the father has. My, My son, I hope to someday have the faith of my son. Because he believes that everything that belongs to his father belongs to him. I can't find my socks. I can't find my tools. <laughs> I come out to use my car and it's gone. He has great faith that everything that belongs to his father belongs to him. And, and I hope that we can all understand. And, and he's right. He can steal my socks anytime he wants to. He's my son. You know, he can borrow the Crescent wrench and not return it. Instead of me being mad at him, I buy him his own set of tools and his own socks. Because this is a need that's unmet. And as his father, it's my joy to meet that need. So, Once we get our heads wrapped around, we're not orphans. He hasn't left us. We're not abandoned, right? We are sons. We are daughters. We're his kids. And what does that mean? Then we can take that next step into it. Not only are we sons, but Paul says in Romans 8, we're also heirs. So we are not just to be safe. We're to be dangerous. We're not just not to worry. We're supposed to be content. There's a power in content. There's Mm -hmm. a freedom in contentment. We we don't have to have a need for control. We, We can actually have a liberality of just being who we are um I, I my favorite one is dishonesty because it paints the picture so well that that an orphan if I were to come to you and you were an orphan and I were to say hey how, how does this shirt look on me? does it make me look fat you you know an orphan doesn't want any conflict you say no you look great well i I might not look great but it, the problem's that the problem is I'm going to create a reality that's the most comfortable for me even I have to make it a non-reality so I'll lie about it but a son you know how does this shirt look well they're honest they say you know it, it's you know, it's, it's, uh, you know, it's not the shirt's fault that you look fat. It's the fat under the shirt that makes you look fat because they're honest. Right. And then an air, how does the shirt make me look? They'll lean in and say, you know what? I refuse to define you by your outward appearance. Hmm. I've seen a snapshot of who God says you are. And I won't refer to anything less than what I see that prophetic picture of your reality of your identity. I mean, if we had a half a dozen of those in the pulpit, a half a dozen of those in the pews, People that walk around and say, "No, I, I'm not going to talk about whether that shirt makes you look fat or not. I'm not talking about whether or not your politics make you look smart or not. I, what I'm going to talk to you about is is who Jesus sees when He looks at you, and then and that mm. flattery, but prophecy,
1: yeah. right?
0: Yeah. To speak into someone's life what God sees. I've seen this snapshot of who God wants you to be, and mm. I and I'm going to call you to that. That's yeah. it. that's the power of that.
1: And don't you think that leadership, in 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 many ways, is is seeing the greatness yes. that God has placed within people yes. and calling that out of them. Absolutely. And if I'm and if I'm operating as an orphan in that orphan mentality, or, or even I'm stuck in the sonship side of it, right? Yeah. I don't know that I I'm doing that well as a leader and 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 learning how to operate in the air column of this uh, this three-part. Uh, uh, talk here today, I think helps me to do exactly what you said. And I think it's so powerful. I think back, Jim, when I was a brand new uh, baby in the Lord, uh, this guy, uh, you know, I got, I, I got born again in the seventies, you know? And, and so the the Jesus movement was yeah. very popular and, and, you know, I was surrounded by hippies and yeah. I never considered myself a hippie, but I was surrounded by them. And, uh, and so I'm like two months old in the Lord. And this, uh, uh, this guy who is a wonderful guy, but just very hippie-ish in his tone of voice and, and his act, the way he acted. Wonderful yeah. guy. He said, John, you're teaching a Bible study in a couple of weeks. And it was like, yeah. nah, you've got to be kidding me. I love it. Yeah. You, I, I don't know how to do that. I've yeah. never done that before. And he said, "I'll I'll help you," you know. And and so two weeks two weeks come, and I'm nervous, Jim. It's like a thirty minute Bible study, and I think I prepared like twenty hours for a thirty minute. Cause I was so nervous. Yeah. And it went really great, and I thought, man, he saw something in me that I didn't even have a clue was there, and he pulled that out of me. And I don't know. I think that's
0: fun i think that's a fun way to lead don't you i do i i you know back to that why is greater than what teaching that we do yes happy people discover their their purpose by asking (laughs) them questions about their passion pain proficiency drawing those circles that overlap and then and then helping them with opportunities Uh, you know one of the things we talk about there is name five sermons that have changed your life and and very few people can and then you say name five people that have changed your life and then five seconds (laughs) And so that, you know, you say, what, what do those people have in common? Well, that's one of the things they have in common. They saw something in me that I didn't see in myself. They gave me opportunities to do something poorly that someday I would do with greatness. They yeah. they believed in me. They didn't let me quit. They they disciplined me, but not not because it made them feel better, but because they were disappointed that I didn't yet see who I was. Right. Those, those sorts of comments were consistently made about those five people. And yeah, I, I think this is it. I, I think one of the things too, it helps with leaders, John, this has been another very useful thing, this this understanding has been for me is when people behave the way they do, I, I can help them discover why they behave the way they do.
1: Mm, that's so and if they
0: see that, that my anger is not, I'm just an angry person, just the way I am. My old man was angry. My grandpa was angry and real men are angry. Like stop, stop. Jesus didn't walk around talking about his old man being angry. And so you can beat everybody too. It's, this is unchristlike. And, and there's a reason why you're actually afraid.
1: Yeah. And,
0: and, and to help them see the you know, why are you so angry? why are you so afraid? Why are you so there when they answer those questions, then then there's an answer to that fear, to that anger that's found in scripture and you can move them from from the orphaned to the to the son. at least there's a revelation of it. So when they revert and I'll, I'll raise my hand like I did to everybody else. like how many of you guys have dealt with one or more of these issues in the last week? You know what I mean? like I, I, it, I, I was in an orphanage for 16 years. you were in orphans for 16 years as, as unbelievers. But learning how to become a son, it's—I mean, God is infinitely patient. If He wasn't, we'd all be toast by now. So He, He's still teaching me what it means to be a son. He's still teaching me what it is to be an heir. Yes, Um, infinitely patient. As as a father teaches his son how to walk, you know, he's going to fall down. He doesn't scream at him and say, "You're so stupid. You're never going to walk." He says, "Get up. Come here. Walk. Walk this way." You know, there's always his hands to catch you or to guide you or to encourage you forward. So I, I have found the development of my soul and the development of my leaders' souls and the development of our people's souls to be extraordinarily satisfying because it's impossible without him. It's glorious with him. And the fruit is almost immediate. If I can see why I'm afraid and and believe a promise from God that, that causes me not to be afraid, that the world literally just changed. And the payday for a pastor, right, is to see that, that light bulb come on. And, uh, it's wonderful. So I, I, I would really encourage people to, to be aware of these. I wouldn't say put them on your wall and write them on coffee cups. But but again, uh, this was a 13-week series. We took fear by itself. And we, we took worry by itself. And we took anger by itself. We asked our congregation, what is it that makes you mad? They, they emailed or text messaged it in. We put them all over the screens the next week so they could see their their thing that made them mad. And we dealt with those things openly. And we asked the question behind the question. We gave scripture to, so that, so that the next time we reach for an orphan's reflex, there'd be a son's truth from a father. Yeah, that's good. You. And then we challenge them one step farther. So if you're not going to be worrying, um, if you're, if you're, you know, then what, what would, what would an heir have? And that would be contentment, but they would never worry again. I've learned what it is to have much. I've learned what it is to have little, but I, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Paul says in Philippians. So that's, that, that's the goal of this is I, I want to say this the right way. Um, because it, it sounds, I, it sounds bad, but I don't mean it to be bad. Christian education without Christian application causes a lot of Christian frustration. Yeah. Does that make sense? So I 100%. memorize these verses. I, I can slap the the buzzer and red ten gets gets you know red red one gets ten points. That's wonderful. Those are good things. But it's it's indoctrination is different than discipleship. Yeah. And discipleship is when the parts of me that don't look like Jesus are conformed to look like Jesus. That's when I'm being discipled. And that when I'm smarter about the Bible than I was and. Again, part of it is going to be learning the Bible, memorizing scriptures and so forth. But beyond being familiar with the stories, you know, until we become those stories, we, we still have much to learn. So yeah. it can be pretty frustrating because if you're just always angry, you'll finally say, well, God just made me angry. Mm, no, the devil made you angry. Your old man made you angry. And Jesus is trying to make you a peacemaker. Right. And and, and you'll never get there without learning what it is that makes you angry and why you're so angry and then letting a promise come to that place and heal that place sure as a son and move into being an heir.
1: And it's and it's a journey. It sounds like the it, it, as you're talking about it, Jim, it's this journey that we go on. And it's not like we we you know we graduate from orphan mm-hmm. into sonship and we never regress or we graduate into an air kind of thought process and mentality. And we never regress. Like, I, I think, I think that's true, right? That, but when we do regress, um, we have a framework now. And these, by the way, you're going to want to, if you're listening or watching, you're going to want to download the show notes um, because we'll have these characteristics of each three categories listed for you. And it just becomes this wonderful to me a wonderful roadmap, uh, a wonderful set of dashboard lights that I can right. I can look at and and say, okay, I'm I'm slipping into orphan behavior, um, and and the effect of this, I think about the positive effect on your marriage, on your parenting, on your pastoring. Um, Jim, you said you said this. You didn't say it this way, but this is how I heard it. That application is the bridge between information and transformation yes absolutely. absolutely and and so it's it's this wonderful set of to me it's a wondrous wonderful set of reminders yeah. like when i'm doing this when i'm in the car and i get cut off okay that's orphan, right yeah right right <laughs> and um god i don't want to i don't want to operate like that anymore and um and then one other thing, and then we got a couple of announcements here that we want to make, I think, yeah. uh, too, is, is that um, people are going to become more like you than you imagine yeah. as a leader. I've, you've yeah. said it in, in one way, shape, or form here. I think if you're a rebellious leader, yeah. um, if you're rebellious in your heart, you're going to have a bunch of rebels God help you. in your church mm-hmm. if, if you're uh, divisive. Uh, you're going to have a lot of divisive people in your church if you are controlling, um, you know, and 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 so that that's that's scary. That's humbling. So um, who you are is bringing a more aligned, healthier version, more mature version of yourself to the leadership party is the most influential thing you can do yeah. as
0: a leader. And it will have the biggest impact on and, the people that's I, called you to serve. And if you're wondering where you are in this process, ask yourself this question, is my church best represented as an orphanage, a family or an embassy? Mm-hmm. And, and I, think, I think by answering that question honestly, you know, is it an orphanage, man, everybody hates everybody, everybody's fighting over everything, you know, family, hey, we love each other for the most part, and we're, or an embassy, are we ambassadors of Christ sent to a world as heirs to, to make a difference, oh, and I think you could say, well, you so know, good. there's family that, you know, you can say there's pockets of this and pockets of that, but just <clears> overall, <throat> if you, if you were a first-time visitor, and you spent some time with every member, you know, during the course of that visit, would you walk away saying, man, that's an orphanage, or man, that's a family, or wow, that's an embassy, and, and I, I think we'd, we'd agree that, that there's a lot of orphanage. there's not many embassies and mm-hmm. and a family is a beautifully rare thing in, in a, as a congregation. would you agree yeah, with that from me I
1: think so i I, I think I would say um, it, it's in descending well, mm-hmm. I don't know if I want to say it that way I, I think there are a significant number of churches that operate in the orphanage mentality yeah. there's a there is a significant number who offer that operate in the family mentality, mm-hmm. and they do a pretty good job of that. Yeah. But yeah. I would agree with you that that the the smaller number of the yeah. three is that embassy yeah. um, mentality. And you know what, Jim? It's that mentality that draws me.
0: Yeah. That draws and I will say me. this. It's and, compelling as, to me. And as the key leader, you are in a real position not just to teach what you know, but but to reproduce what you are. And so if you're like, you're just happy, like we're born again, we love each other. We're generous. We support missionaries. We're a good church. Like that's, if you end there, your congregation will end there. If Mm -hmm. if you end with these stupid people and I have to control them and they're all idiots and the stupid social media, well, you'll end there. If you are yourself an ambassador, you will attract. People will be dissatisfied. In a healthy environment, unhealthy people are forced to change, right? Yes. If I'm a drunk in a bar, I feel normal. If I'm a drunk in church, I feel like a drunk. That, that atmosphere will call me to evolve or I'll yeah. leave. Yeah. And I think the same is true with, with the culture of your church. If it is an embassy, those who come in will, will encounter the king. Those who come in will, will be challenged to grow. Um, all things will pass away quickly, not, not just because of excitement or joy, or, but because I, I, the air that I breathe does not have fear in it. The air that I breathe does not have anger in it. It's not allowed, not part of our culture you know? So I, yeah. And, and I, again, it's not the demean it's the challenge. If you're leading yes. a church right now, a church of orphans, maybe, maybe go get some Can I just say this? maybe go talk to John, maybe, maybe or, sit Jim. Talk to, or, or Jim or a counselor or, but until we, we are reproducing now what we are, we're fearful people. We are leading fearful people. If we're angry people, we're leading angry people. The blind love to hang out with the blind because they, they feel unchallenged amongst those who, who are equally um, disabled. Yeah. Sons like to be with sons, heirs like to be with heirs, orphans like to be with orphans. Thus it has been, thus it shall ever be. So, as the senior leader, really getting that you know, you grow, they grow. Yep. You don't, they don't.
1: Well, Jim, thank you for uh, sharing. Uh, your knowledge, your wisdom, your insight on all of this—I—I I, I trust that it's going to be highly beneficial to those oh, who are watching and listening today.
0: Let me share. Um,
1: and Jim, uh, we have a—you have a—an electronic version
0: of yeah,
1: yeah. We want to talk a little bit about that real yeah, quick. I—I so yeah. I,
0: I wanted to write a book on this, <clears throat> but I felt like a frontal assault would be too, uh, too bold. And so I wrote a book called Gray's Story. Gray's Story is about an orphan that uh, is is a bad mamma jamma and displays all the behaviors that we've talked about today, who then is adopted by a loving and wise king. And the king uh, is teaching his son how, why he's afraid and how not to be afraid. And, and eventually you watch him grow from uh, a seven-year-old boy into a 20-year-old man through the course of the book. And, and he, he eventually becomes royalty. Um, it's uh, 30,000 words. So it's maybe hour and a half for, for the average reader um and it's it's available digitally through converge uh, i think as our as our gift for the month or, or whatever sure. what we're doing
1: yeah well yes yeah. we'll do that so, if you would like a copy of that book you yeah. can click the contact us link on our website convergecoach.com and uh let us know you'd be interested in that and we'll get you an electronic copy of it
0: yeah and it's it's just fun <laughs> it's something i'm going to read to my grandchildren when they're a little bit older um it, it's been very helpful it, it, it gets, the story gets behind our defenses because it's about a boy. When I was writing this, I was 70% of the way through the book before I realized that I was the kid. I was, I, I literally, I, I was writing it out of words that got it spoken to me and about seven through the 10 chapters. I went, Oh, this is actually me. Yeah. And uh, it was, it was fun. It was fun to realize that. So it's, it's harmless and it's helpful and it's free. So you got nothing to lose.
1: And then Jim, one one quick announcement, and then I'll yeah. let you wrap us up. Uh, we uh, our team is uh, experiencing some transition. We've uh, yes. we've uh, said uh, farewell to a wonderful member of our team yeah. uh, who has served uh, as my assistant and really has served to help not just me but the entire team. Uh, her name is Jamie, and uh, Jamie did a marvelous job for us, and uh, she's on to other other endeavors and we've blessed her on the way out and she's been such a blessing to us. So we wanted to say thank you to her on the podcast and then also introduce our new assistant, uh, Jen, uh, Jen will be starting Actually, Jen starts. Uh, well, by the time you hear this podcast, Jen will have uh, been with us for a few weeks yeah. and uh, but we are so excited uh, to have our, our new teammate on board. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's not lost on me, Jim, that there are people who never, who only see our bugs, you know, on this, <laughs> screen or hear our voice, but there are really good people behind the scenes that uh, make this possible. The are you know we want to thank our audio. I, I want to thank our audio engineer Kaya, who yeah. uh, is just doing a marvelous job for us. The reason you can hear this podcast and listen to it is because of her. Right. And then of yeah, the buttons. That's right, and Larry who does the video uh, uh, editing for us and puts that together. We're grateful for the team that, uh, helps us to do what we do. So, uh, Jim, that's the announcement
0: yeah. and uh, go ahead and just, take us home. Just to be clear too, this was Jamie champion. Cause there are, there's a variety of Jamie's. Correct. Thank the, you for that. So, so Don and, 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 uh, Jamie planted and lead a great church in Minneapolis and we wish them all the best. And, that's right. Uh, so, yeah, thank you, John, for this. And again, they can get that book. They can get in contact with you at convergecoach.com. Press on the link that says what? Contact. Contact, yeah, and we'll we'll get you the stuff. So we're here to resource, to help, to bless, to talk, to provoke, to enjoy you, and uh, God bless you, our dear listeners and watchers. We look forward to our time again soon. Just as you continue to lead from alignment.